Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word, to learn more about who you are, about what it means for you to come in human flesh, to take on our sin, to die for us on the cross. Lord, we owe you everything. And Lord, may we come before you this morning with humble hearts to submit ourselves to your word, to grow more and more in the likeness of your Son. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. So if you got one of these coming in, this is the sermon guide that we'll be following. If you didn't get one, I apologize. Um, I will still be using this, though. So, um, so our, my first point I want to start off with is this. Jesus Christ is the Word of God and fully God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God and fully God. So let me read the first, uh, the first five verses for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John intentionally echoes the opening words of Genesis with the words, in the beginning. And what I love about this is it shows us that our faith, being a Christian, it doesn't start in the New Testament. It goes all the way back to in the beginning. In the beginning, the Word was with God, right? The Word was God. And so another uh, words, or some other words that come up that are important are life, light, darkness, these are important words that John uses in his gospel, but also in, in his letters. If you read the epistles of John, you'll also see the mo- these motifs of light and darkness and, and life. Uh, they often come up in his writing. And these are all very, very important. They point to the fact that God sent Jesus Christ, the, the Word, into the world, right? As to be our light. One of the very cool things uh, about uh, the Word um, is in Greek, it's logos, and then um, in Hebrew, it's deber. So deber and lagas. And so in Greek, it's a philosophical thing. So in Greek, you have this, uh, this philosophy of the word, this lagas, which um, orders creation. And so it's an ordering thing. But in Hebrew, it's kind of cool. It's more personal. It's, it's more of like a spiritual thing. You have this word of God going forth. And as we read in our psalm, uh, this, this word, it does stuff. You know, it, it's amazing. Uh, the Word of God, I, I quoted in here, Psalm 29, 8, and 33, 6, um, that, the idea that the Word of God goes forth, it shakes the mountains. It does things. It's powerful. Um, when you see the Word of God in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, uh, it does something, right? God is active in the person of Jesus Christ as the Word. So Psalm 29, 8, and Psalm 33, 6. I'd encourage you to look at those. We believe that the Word of God with the Spirit of God transforms the simple bread and wine at the Eucharist. And so I love this as an Anglican priest. When I stand over the Eucharist, what I'm doing is I'm saying the words of institution. I'm saying the same words that Jesus said. I'm saying the words that came from Jesus' mouth. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come and to bring this bread and wine to become no longer simply bread and wine to us, but the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so I love the fact that God's Word 
changes things. It transforms things. It transforms not only the simple bread and wine in the Eucharist to become body and blood for us, but it also transforms our own hearts and minds. One of the things I love about the English Reformers is that the English Reformers talked about, yes, the bread and wine do change, right? There is, there is a change going on, and it's, it's a mysterious change. But what's most important is not what's happening to the bread and the wine, but what's happening to us. What is happening to you in the Eucharist? What is God's word doing in your own hearts at the Eucharist? And so the next point here, the word of God still transforms us today. 2 Timothy 3.16, one of my favorite passages, talks about how the Bible, God's word, is breathed out. God's word is breathed out to us. It transforms us. And then Hebrews 4.12 talks about how this, um, the word of God is like a, it's like a sword. You know, it divides, and, and it, it shows us ourselves. One of the things I love, too, about um, when I read the Bible, you know, some people, they'll throw their Bibles around like they're just any other book. But this thing is special. You know, when you read your Bibles, a lot of times people try to read the Bible like they read any other book, and they fail. Because you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. When you open up this book, you look into it like a mirror. And so I, I think about it like this. When I get up in the morning and I'm getting ready for church to come here and see all of y'all and hang out, and when I, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I want to make sure, you know, my hair's not too messy. You know, if, if I'm shaving that morning, which I don't shave every morning, but when I'm shaving in the morning, I want to make sure I get all of the, all the little patches, right? And so um, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I'm preparing myself for church to be with you. How much more important is it for us to look into the mirror of God's word to see ourselves? To make sure that when we're approaching God, when we're approaching his holy table, we've prepared ourselves by looking into the mirror of God's word and letting it discern ourselves, letting it discern us. God's word transforms us. God's word shows us our sins, helps us to become more and more like Jesus. We have seen a lot of transformation this last year. 2020 was a crazy year for the world, but in a lot of ways, us as a church, we have grown. God has used this time to transform us. We've had six baptisms. We've had 13 confirmations. We're starting in young adults um, Sunday school, which I'm super excited about. Uh, Bill Wallace and I were talking about it, and um, Rowdy, uh, Stillwell, one of our newest members back there, we have been talking about starting this new young adult Sunday school, which I'm super excited about. Um, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with the youth in 2021. We got trips and stuff planned, so hopefully we can make those happen in 2021. Um, another cool thing is we started a third service. In the midst of a pandemic, we started a third service, almost like in spite of the devil, right? It's just like, we're going to start this anyways. Um, God transforms us, and so even in the midst of pandemic, even in the midst of difficulty, God's word transforms. My second point is this. John the baptizer was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. John the baptizer was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Jesus calls John the greatest prophet of all time, but John says he is not even worthy to be Jesus' lowest servant. So you remember when Jesus comes and says, let me, you know, come baptize me. I would like to be baptized by you, right? And John says, no, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie your shoes, like, I'm not even worthy to do the most menial, most um, dirty job in the household. 
like there would be servants in households, and some of those servants, right, they would make the food, and they would serve the table, and they would take care of things around the household. The lowest servant would take the shoes off of guests. They would come down, and they would stoop down and untie the shoes and take them off. They would touch those dirty feet that were stomping around in, in the dust and dirt in the city. And that was the, the dirtiest job that the Jews could give to a servant, right? He said, John the Baptist, he says, I'm not even worthy to do that. Even though Jesus recognizes him as the greatest prophet, he's not even worthy to untie his shoes. And John had many followers, but he pointed them all to Jesus. And I think about this, like, look at all the people that went out to John. Look at how many baptisms he did. Look at all the wonderful things that were happening through John. John's ministry as John the Baptist, he went and he baptized so many people, right? He did so many great things, and so many people were coming to God through him. It says all the city was going to him. He points to Jesus, and my hope is that as a church, not if we grow, but as we grow, as people come into our congregation, as we become more and more influential in the community, helping people, spreading the kingdom, as we grow— we will point to Jesus. And people won't look at Christ Church and say, look at those great programs. Look at that great facility. Look at this great stuff they have. And not even who we are, but what we point to, which is Jesus Christ. They will look at us and they'll say, that is the church that points to Jesus. And third point is this. Jesus Christ came to make us children of God through believing in his name. Jesus Christ came to make us children of God through believing in his name. That's verses 9 through 13. So let me read those for you. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So let me stop there. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus Christ was intimately involved in creation. I'm sure a lot of you have read, have read Psalm 139, how God intimately, he's involved in our creation, right? He sews us, he knits us together in our mother's womb, right? People have heard that verse. It's very common. Jesus Christ, the whole Trinity is involved in your creation. Jesus Christ is involved in creation. He knows us very, very well. And I, I like to think about this too. It doesn't matter, you know, what ethnic group you come from. It doesn't matter, you know, sometimes we, we'll do that as human beings. We'll look at the white people from Europe and we'll say, oh, they're Christians. And we'll look at the Asian people and we'll say, oh, well, they, they're Buddhist. Or, you know, it's easy for us to kind of lump cultures and ethnic groups into certain groups. Jesus Christ came into the world to redeem the creation that he made. He is a universal savior for everyone. And he's not, some, he's not simply a God for us or a Savior for us. I've heard people say that so often. It breaks my heart is they'll say, oh, well, you know, that's good for you. I'm glad you have Jesus. I'm glad you have religion. I'm glad you have that crutch in your life because I don't need that. I don't need your religion, and I don't need your Jesus, right? They'll say, oh, well, I have this other thing. I mean, I have family members right now getting involved with paganism and other strange things, and I'm just scratching my head saying, why would you trade the glory of God for lies? Why would you trade Jesus Christ for those lies? Don't worship demons. Worship the king. Anyways, so next point. Um, so the next, the next point is this. Even though we, everything was made through and for Jesus, it is, this, it is such, so sad that the world did not know him. He made each one of the people that he came and he met with, each person that he met in the street, he made them. 
and they did not recognize him. Jesus is the light of the world, but Satan has blinded the world with his lies. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 talks about how Satan has blinded the world with his lies. And 1 John 5, 19 says that Satan has power over creation. He has power over this world because we have bought into his lies. Since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, lies have come into the world. We begin to believe lies about ourselves. We often think way too little of ourselves. We, we forget that we're children of God, purchased through Christ's blood. We, we mean more to God than we will ever know. We often think way too little of God. He loves us. He has created us. He is in control. We often think way too little of God, and we often think way too little of Satan. Satan wants to deceive you. He wants to keep you from knowing Jesus. He wants to keep you from receiving him as Lord, and he wants to keep you from uh, receiving eternal life so that you can glorify God. We often think way too little of ourselves. We think too little of God, and we think too little of Satan. We have been redeemed through Jesus Christ. He has come to make us children through believing in his name. The next point is this. Jesus Christ came to tabernacle amongst us and reveal God in human flesh. Jesus Christ came to tabernacle amongst us and reveal God in human flesh. So verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That term dwelt there can also be understood as tabernacled or tented. In the Old Testament, you see that God makes himself known and present to the nation of Israel. For the first time in history, he, dwell, he, he dwells with his people. You know, well, not the first time in history. I guess you could say Genesis, he was dwelling with Adam and Eve. But since the fall, the first time he makes himself a, a dwelling with his people is in the tabernacle with Israel. And he does that again in the temple right? And now, with the new covenant, the Holy Spirit has come to make Jesus Christ dwell within us. So each one of us carries around Jesus as a temple. And often when we're doing things we shouldn't do, or we're saying things we shouldn't say, or thinking things that we shouldn't think, we forget. And we think way too little about ourselves. We forget. You are a temple of God. God dwells in you. And it's so important that each one of us look at each other and realize that you are a sanctuary for God. You are a sanctuary for Jesus Christ. John shows Jesus' eternality by stating that even though John was born before Jesus, Jesus existed before John. And I love this point too because when Jesus, uh, when, when John, obviously, he's the cousin of Jesus, right? He's born before Jesus. But the wonderful thing about the gospel is it shows us that Jesus existed before John. So even though John was born before Jesus, Jesus existed before John. Jesus also says, before Abraham was, I am. I love that line. Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am God is essentially what he's saying. God, Jesus is eternal. Jesus has existed before anything. He eternally proceeds from the Father is what we would say theologically, is he's continually proceeding from the Father. He has existed with the Father from eternity and continues to exist with the Father. God reveals his character and righteousness, uh, his righteous requirements to Israel in the Old Testament, and God reveals his grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And I think this is important too, is that um, sometimes we give the Old Testament you know, we look at the Old Testament and we say, oh, those poor Israelites, they were under the, under the law, and today we have grace. You got to think, though, back then, back in the Old Testament, 
There were nations that were sacrificing their children to appease a God they didn't know. People in the Old Testament were doing all kinds of crazy things, like Malek, you've heard of those stories in the Bible, right? Where people will literally sacrifice children or do crazy things in order to appease a God they don't know. God revealed himself to the Israelites in the Old Testament. He gave them his law so that they could live in accordance with, with righteousness, to live the way that he would have them live. And it also shows his character. He showed his character through the law. He made himself known to Moses, right, through the burning bush. He made himself known to Israel. So what a privilege. I mean, Paul would say this in the New Testament. What a privilege it was to be an Israelite. But now God has revealed himself even more in the New Testament through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ brought grace and truth. Grace to know that when we fall, grace to know that when we are sinners, which we all are, grace to know that when we don't have, you know, we don't have what it takes to do what is right, God will have mercy on us. He gives us grace each day, unmerited favor, even though we don't deserve it. But he also gives us truth. He gives us his word to call us out on the things that are wrong in our lives. Like I said earlier with Hebrews, he divides us. He helps us to, to know what's, what's right and what's wrong in our own hearts so that we can live according to what he'd have us live. You know, this morning, I was almost in tears as I was driving here because I was thinking about how faithful God has been. God has been so faithful. And I turned 30 yesterday, and so I wasn't crying about turning 30 yesterday. I was crying, you know, in tears this morning because God has been faithful to me, to my wife, to my kids. For the last three decades, he has shown me over and over again, he has revealed himself to me, his grace, his truth, his mercy, his love, his steadfast kindness, his chesed in Hebrew, his steadfast kindness. He has continually revealed himself to me as a loving father. A father that will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that he has been faithful to my family and I. And he has been faithful to this church. And he will continue to be faithful to us till the end. He has sent his son to die on the cross as the greatest expression of his love to us. That he would come in human form, in the form of a baby, right? To, to live a sinless life for 33 years or approximately. And then die on a cross for our sins. He took all of our sins so that we could have his righteousness, so that we could believe in him, repent of our sins, turn from our sins, receive him as Lord, and live, live in him. So my bottom line is this. The word of God is Jesus Christ, who came to reveal God's grace and truth and make us children of God through faith. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word Thank you that you came as a vulnerable child to live a life as a human being, to go through the same trials, the same, the same temptations that we go through each day, but to remain sinless, to show us that even in human form, we can follow God, and most importantly, to die on the cross to show us your love and to make a way so that we may be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.